This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Cray's newest analytics supercomputer. And India's homegrown HPC. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. This Week in HPC is distributed in partnership with our friends at top500.org. How's it going, Michael? Very well, Addison. How's it going there? Doing fine, thanks. This Week in HPC, you've got a couple of nice stories over there at top500.org. But let's start with a new analytics appliance or a new analytics supercomputer from Cray. Yeah, Cray announced uh, basically a new version of the Eureka line. Remember, they had the Eureka GD, line, uh, GD system and the uh, the XA system, two different versions of their analytics platform. And here... Right, the, the GD was always for graph, graph, and the XA always did Spark and Hadoop. Right, they, they sort of had two different uh, workloads. They differentiated them here. Uh, this time around, they've consolidated that into a single machine, and uh, not surprisingly, they sort of combined the, the nomenclature as well. It's called the Eureka GX, and it uh, basically, at the software level, does combine the, those two different functionalities of graph analytics and Spark Hadoop types of workloads, and they've wrapped it up into uh, the same machine and the same software stack. But this time, they've actually jettisoned all the proprietary technology on the GD side, Remember, they had the, uh, the Threadstorm processor and some of the other proprietary pieces that they had uh, inherited from the XMT line of supercomputers. Here, it's all x86 now. The only sort of semi-proprietary stuff left is the Ares interconnect. Otherwise, it's, it's basically a vanilla cluster, x86-based, and it's uh, just all wrapped up in sort of a nice little package for, for the software stack on top of it. Well, that Aries interconnect is considerable, though. I mean, that you know, that's really where they're going to be adding the value and trying to get exactly. this to fly. Yep. The whole message, I think, around the, the Eureka GX, I think, is a good message, which is that you can take this open enterprise analytics software environment built on things like Hadoop and, and OpenStack is another big part of what they're offering here on the software side. But then you're going to back it with a real supercomputing uh, interconnect, in particular with Ares, and that that's going to scale better. That's going to help ad address your most scalable analytics type of problems. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's certainly what the Ares is for, is to make that that big distributed memory space that you have on a cluster basically look like one big memory space. And that's especially important for the graph uh, workloads. They want to, you want to be able to put like a large graph structure in memory and, and treat it as, as one structure and not, not have the, uh, the performance limitations of basically having it sliced over a lot of different right. memory spaces. Well, I mean, it's it's in memory on on one node. It's not a shared memory over multiple nodes. Not it's, with this. It's it's not right. It's not a global memory. But actually, the right. the interconnect is sort of the key to sort of bringing the memory uh, performance wise to make it seem like one piece that uh, for the application level. But right, it's a as far as the hardware level, it's a typical cluster and it's distributed memory and, and it's leaving it up to the software to sort of do some of the magic for the graph analytics stuff. And Cray has its own graph engine to, to manage all that and to help do that. And that's sort of its proprietary software piece uh, on top of the Aries software piece that actually makes it uh, a differentiated product in this space. 
Yeah, to me, the important part of that is that we know from our own research studies that with big data, people tend to start these with a lot of in-house applications and algorithms, even if you're building things on top of uh, you know, Hadoop or Spark or Cassandra, HDFS, whatever you like, that, that you're writing a lot of your own implementations of that. And as it scales, having an environment where it's easier to build something for scalability can make a great difference. And that's going to be the, the big advantage of this Cray architecture, I think, here compared to uh, other enterprise infrastructures that aren't built for performance and scalability. Right. I think that's the other right. That's the other big strength. I mean, they are emphasizing the scalability. Basically, you can build this anything from like a 16-node system up to a full 48-node rack, and then you can connect the racks together even. You can build you know several racks or more together with the Aries interconnect and get a very large system. And then the software they've added on top of that scales, you know, does scale uh, as well with that. So it's a, it's a probably a much more scalable system than you normally find in a data appliance. And, you know, on top of that, you get the extra performance and the little pieces of like Aries and, and some of the faster things. And we should talk a little bit about the hardware, too. It's it's basically underneath. It's sort of a vanilla cluster. If you can forget the Aries interconnect for a while, it's x86 dual socket nodes. Um, there's lots of memory, and then they've had uh, a lot of SSDs to sort of uh, enhance that memory footprint. So I think it's like 20. Yeah, that's not really that vanilla. That's, I mean, it's x86, granted, but it's still fairly specialized around performance. Right. Anymore, you'll find you'll find flash memory somewhere in a in a data analytics appliance. But here, there's quite a bit. I think they they support up to like 32 gigabytes. Of of the flash SSDs on top of a 22 or not gigabytes sorry terabytes uh, on top of 22 terabytes of uh, regular memory so you've got a lot of sort of uh, very fast memory close to the processors to do that and that's per rack not per per uh, per node so but that's quite a bit and probably a lot more than you get in a in a typical um, in a typical analytics appliance. Well, you know, I think that's the important thing here, because as you really look at it, uh, you know, the, the thing that it concerns me, if anything, is you want to be careful about what's the size of the opportunity here. Because the other thing we know about big data is that people tend to start running this with infrastructure, or people, data that they already have in place. Big data is not usually a separate build out for most companies. It's not really a separate market. If if someone tells you here's the size of the big data market, you have to realize that, you know, that's a subset of enterprise IT for sure, but it it's not really distinct infrastructure like HPC or hyperscale tends to be, where that's my hyperscale infrastructure, that's my HPC infrastructure, and then everything else is is enterprise. There for the, you, I mean, there are exceptions, and where the exceptions are are going to be at the high end. Someone who's really got a sophisticated analytics um, program going, and they've gotten to where they've outstripped their general enterprise infrastructure's ability to handle it. Now you're going after, you know, what you really need is a cray to go handle that. So. Uh, I, I think the, the market opportunity is maybe smaller than you would think at first blush because everybody's doing analytics, but the where the market opportunity is exactly overlaps with what Cray can go, uh, go and address with the Eureka GX. Yeah, I think that's right. Although I think Cray is thinking maybe they'll get some traction at, at the somewhat lower end of the market just because they've, they've basically got all the 
all the popular open software like Spark and Hadoop and some of the other supporting packages integrated into this. And you can buy a fairly small system. You can start with basically 16 nodes and it's it's going to be you know relatively inexpensive even for a mm-hmm. mid-sized company. But you're right. Most most you're are still to, looking for who's willing to buy a separate machine to exactly. go. Exactly. Yeah, somebody's going to jump from their their generic enterprise uh, infrastructure into this, right? It, it, there's got to be that decision going on for sure. But yeah, uh, definitely an interesting opportunity. Cray has been successful with this uh, in the past. They've had a very good year. We're about to release our new market model and forecast numbers for HPC. But Cray is an obvious one. You can read right from their quarterly reports uh, how successful they've been. Now, for the other story this week in HPC, Michael, let's take a look at uh, what's going on in India. They've announced a new homegrown technology supercomputing initiative in India. Yeah, they're gonna they they publicized the plan. They're gonna put out what what's equivalent to about six hundred seventy million dollars over seven years, to to build and deploy uh, maybe as much as seventy to eighty systems eventually. Not all of which will be big, certainly, but some of them will be. And a lot of these, or at least a portion of these, are going to be indigenously uh, designed and and constructed. Um, something they've done before but here this looks like a a bigger attempt to do so and they've got a lot of money on the line they're going to start uh well they've already started the money's already allocated and the first system's going to be installed of august of next year well let's start with the last time we talked about india on this podcast was almost exactly one year ago it was last may and india had announced plans for a petaflop supercomputer then it was going to be 1.4 peak petaflops but in the end in the top 500 list when that came out in june it didn't quite hit a petaflop did it right in fact the peak was 1.2 for whatever reason so when they ran limpax they got uh you know they yielded uh, only about 900 teraflops, well, only <laughs> 900 teraflops. So they, <laughs> they just missed a petaflop by a skosh there. Um, but, you know, that's a very big machine, and that was a Cray machine. Um, the, so that's currently the biggest machine in India, and now we're going to be supplementing that with these new ones. With these new ones. But the, the interesting history of India, they've tried this before. Actually, they've done this before. They had the Param series of machines which they began in the early 90s and that was in uh in response to a an embargo a u.s embargo uh that prevented india from importing cray systems at the time it was a basically an arms embargo when they were thought they were being used for uh nuclear testing or nuclear uh device uh modeling um that embargo seems to have have gone away because they do have Cray systems now as well as HP uh, E systems and and older IBM systems. But they're still going to try and build some of these old systems along those lines of building an indigenous supercomputer. Um, not sure how many, but uh, they're probably going to start with what are cer- almost certainly going to be some petascale systems. And I'm guessing that one in August of next year will be a, a petaflop or better. You know, you don't even have to go back to the 90s, though, to see a plan for India to do this. It was within the last 10 years, so about eight, nine years ago, that there were plans in India under uh, the conglomerate Tata to do a major Indian supercomputing initiative. There were That was a funded plan, had all kinds of, uh, of, of actual architectural planning around it that eventually went nowhere, right? 
Yeah, that seemed, that that effort seemed to have sort of petered out, and I'm not sure if if, uh, if the there government... was sort of a political wind change there that kept that from happening. And I I think my concern is that it proves more difficult to do that than you think. What you're really doing, and I don't have any problem with. India claiming, uh, you know, engineering expertise. The, the India has been built, it rebuilt its economy around engineering expertise. But to go after supercomputing at the high end, if you're building indigenous hardware and simultaneously the software and application infrastructure to do that, it seems like, and you were pointing this out, Michael, the shorter, short-term path might be to buy the technology than try to develop it internally. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's what you think as you step back and look at this. They have $670 million to spend over this over several years. And, you know, they'll probably get better bang for the buck if they just went out and bought these systems rather than trying to reinvent the wheel. Now, I think part of the the motivation to build their own systems is, is sort of the legacy that they've done this before with the Param systems, and they did that successfully. They built nine of them. But also uh, there's sort of some, uh, you know, nationalistic pride as well as uh sort of this this trend in asia that a lot of the countries are building indigenous or they're designing indigenous supercomputers certainly china's doing that in a big way but um japan as well yeah, they're japan building also they're building the the exascale system so i think they're they're of a mind that they think you know they want to do this too but uh, it's also gonna... russia to the extent that that's a partly asian country yeah i mean yeah and other areas but um and it's not that uh, that $630 million is all going to be used for indigenous uh, development. Some of that is going to go to, to uh, imported systems as well. But I think they want to extend this technology, uh, the, uh, some of the expertise into the pedascale era and, 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 and grab that. But yeah, I mean, if they were just thinking about the money end of it, uh, I think, yeah, you're right. It would probably be better used just to buy systems that are already made and, and not do the the non-recoverable R&D that they're non-recoverable engineering that that's required to do some of these other things. Something I'll look forward to hearing more about. Maybe India will be a more regular part of the conversation. We'll be talking about them on the podcast more often than annually, right, Michael? Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, I mean, they've got plenty of systems. And, uh, yeah, maybe they'll show up uh, with some surprises on the, the current list coming up. Who knows? <laughs> All right, Michael. Well, thanks for another good wrap-up. Two interesting stories. Thanks to you for dialing in, too. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.